0: Guys, my guest this week is the hilarious comedian, Mark Anthony Synagoga. Mark's a great guy. He's based out of Toronto, and we have an awesome conversation. Uh, please like and subscribe to the podcast. I do appreciate that. Give it a good rating. It helps uh, with the whole podcast getting seen. Check me out on Instagram and Twitter. It's at Kidwi. Facebook, Noor Kid Why Comedian, and I'll always be posting about uh, the podcast, and my comedy As uh, now comedy's back, so I'm doing a bunch of shows, and uh, yeah, I hope to see you guys out. Uh, I'm going to be back in Calgary for September, so uh, check out my website, or check me out on Instagram, and uh, you'll be able to see my dates when I'm back in Calgary. Uh, but let's get to this podcast, everybody. My guest this week, Mark. Anthony Synagoga. Welcome to another episode of God, or Nay. Today I'm here with Mark Anthony Synagoga, a comedian. Uh, thanks so much for being here, Mark.
1: What's up, man? Thanks for having me. This is great.
0: Yeah, dude. Uh, so right now you're in Kingston, eh? Doing uh, some road comedy again. How's it feel?
1: It feels good, man. It's, uh, you know, it's weird that I gotta be... You know, there's no green room, there's no... Uh There's no separation between audience. I know that makes you sound like a diva out the gate, but, you know, having the the mask on the whole time you're in the comedy club and can't really chat with comics too much, you know, so it's it's kind of,
0: it's so weird. weird. Yeah, it's so weird. Like, uh, yeah, even like I'm just doing the uh, shows out in Toronto this weekend and it's just like, yeah, having the mask on like the whole time just feels weird as hell in the comedy club. And you just like, yeah. no one, yeah, no one knows who you are, like, once you're off the of stage and stuff. It's like, yeah, man, it's been uh, interesting. Yeah, you got, uh, so I saw you last week in Toronto. Uh, you came mm-hmm. back, and, like, that was, like, your first weekend back uh, doing comedy. So I just wanted to know, yeah. because, like, your first weekend back doing comedy, you started headlining a show. Mm-hmm. So, like, basically, you went four months without doing any shows, and now your first weekend back, you're headlining five shows in a row and not only that, you're fucking um, – this is a club that you haven't headlined before. So, like, you're trying yep. to, like, actually impress, like, the owners and, like, all that stuff. So, yeah. like, yeah, let me let me tell you, like, let me know how that felt. That must have been insane.
1: <clears throat> oh, man. I mean, the last show I did was March, like, March 20-something, right? So, jumping into that, well, I guess that's, like, four or five months, right? Somewhere in there. Yeah, I just – I don't know, man. I was panicking. Like, I don't know. It felt like uh, back in the day when you, you first jump up, like, you know, you start comedy. It's like, you got, everyone starts with like five minutes, you know? And then when they first, you get that first set where you jump from five to 10, you know what I mean? And you're like, well, fuck, I don't know if I can feel that. Like, what am I going to say? Right. So, I mean, I've done that time before, but I guess because of, you know, being off for so long, I was like, fuck, I don't even know. Like if none of this hits, I'm just going to be flying through bits and I'm, I don't know what to do. And like, you know, obviously Jason, uh, he's the owner and he was uh, just calling me being like, you know, I'm giving you a fucking chance. If, if you don't, if you don't actually fucking hit this and you shit the bed, I'm canceling you forever, you know? And I, I was like, <laughs> God damn and, because, and it was weird because I had the, um, I was supposed to be headlining when it was the prove your, uh, a comic contest. So I was a shorter headline, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, and then, um, As the weekend went on, he started giving me more and more time, and uh, was just losing it, man. He's like, "If you don't fucking hit this, I'm gonna stab you, and you're done for the weekend. I'm gonna, you're never gonna headline this club again." And I'm like, "Buddy, I haven't performed in months. Like, can you give me like just a break, you know? And like hitting the time, right? Like, you know, he was giving me shit because I went like a couple minutes over, and I'm like, man, I don't, you know, it's it's hard for me to know what 35 feels like." in a room with plexiglass where you can't hear anybody and you know it's weird it was good
0: like it feels good getting back up for sure and like the night I saw you you killed it so like it seemed like you haven't lost a step which is good um yeah man that plank so like uh, for people who don't know like uh right now in the comedy clubs they're putting plexiglass in front of the comedians and like so you're just surrounded by plexiglass and you can't even see the audience like uh, yeah could you did you remember that like the only thing you're it looks like you're performing into a mirror because of the light hits it so the audience can see you perfectly but you can't see them it's just such a weird setup and uh it, it's a weird feeling but fuck man we're back in it and i'm just happy for that eh
1: yeah me too i mean it, the worst part about it was uh on saturday late show a bunch of drunk people and obviously the first couple shows like you don't think you forget about like heckling and sorry, hecklers are like the last thing you think about, like with this whole COVID shit going on and Saturday late show, so many tables were plastered. So it's like when you can't hear them or like, you know, after the show, I'm like, did I not do well? Like I couldn't, it was weird when the plazas were coming and laughs are coming. And like uh, a lot of my friends where they were like, no man, there was like two tables having a full argument and like two, what like half of the table was asleep with their shoes off and like, You know, a bunch of people were hammered drunk and like I couldn't hear any of that. So the plexiglass kind of takes out that element where it's like, you know, me mean, you're on there and someone yells something or a glass breaks or something. You know, the audience gets taken out of it. So do we. We can address it. You know, we can deal with hecklers. We can do crowd work with the plexiglass that that whole element's gone. So yeah, it's very weird.
0: <clears throat> yeah. It makes it like, yeah. weird's like the only way to put it actually. <laughs> uh, yeah. yo, so uh, for just for our audience, why don't you give us a little background of like where you're from and like, um, yeah, how you got into comedy and how you're making your money in it. Cause I know you do like production and stuff like that as well. Right.
1: Yeah. So, um, started in, uh, in Toronto, went to that Humber comedy program for those of you who have heard of it or not i don't know but uh, humber's got this comedy writing and performance program so i pretty much i went to college was like you this went to comedy fucking, college eh? <laughs> i went to clown school i know no <laughs> but I, I went to i went to college uh like actual college before and i was like i don't like any of this i was always just writing jokes or scripts or whatever and i was like man i want to do something in that and the family kind of gave me the grills was like if you don't if you don't get that sheet of paper in something like you're out of the house and like, you know, gave all these stipulations. So same day, a buddy of mine was like, yo, Humber's got like a comedy thing. You should do that. So audition went there. That was great. Um, I don't think I would have ever done stand up unless it was for that course. Like, cause they make you do everything. Like you got to do radio and sketch and all this shit. And stand up was never something I envisioned myself doing. And then after the first show at yuck yucks, they make everyone go on. And I was like, fuck, I crushed my first set and I was like, this is the best. The second and third set were the worst shows I've ever done in my life. But still, like I kind of it was the only thing that I did where I, I was like, oh, I think I found what I want to do here. So, um yeah. And then once I jumped into the scene, I, I realized that uh there wasn't really much uh shows going on and there weren't many places to perform or places to kind of like make money. And so I just started, you know, I opened up a little production company funny man inc and just started trying to produce as many shows as possible and like little theaters and small towns and you know little shit like that so that's kind of how i make my money now i just try and self-produce as much as possible because you know like we know how it is man like if we can't wait for just for laughs to come knocking on our door right you gotta make your own opportunities or else you're not gonna go anywhere you can't wait till someone picks you you know
0: yeah, and you know what, like, that's, like, kind of the exciting part and the depressing part of, like, comedy in Canada, like, because, uh, like, it is depressing in the sense that, like, uh, when you're starting out and, like, the first, like, especially for me, like, the first, like, maybe even decade of doing comedy, like, especially when you start getting better and you start doing well, then you kind of start sitting on your ass and just kind of going, like, hey, why aren't I getting these opportunities? And you start blaming, yeah. like, other people for not giving you the opportunities, but, like, then all of a sudden you realize, hey, we're in Canada. Like, how much uh, industry is actually here? It's not too much. So it's like now you got to build it. But that in itself has such an opportunity in it because like when you start building it, you learn so much about yourself, your craft, uh, your skills, yeah. like all of that stuff. So um, yeah, because you've been producing like like all over the country too, haven't you? Like, because I've seen. Oh, well, tried. Like, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I tried East Coast, tried West Coast. Like the only thing that's really stuck is stuff in Alberta just because I don't know what it is man about Alberta. Like you you're from Calgary, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Like, I don't know what it is man about Alberta. They just want to pay for entertainment. Like <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I don't know why no one else really does. Like the the East Coast is really tough cuz they're just like yeah, well if you show up great, if you don't even better. Like they don't really give a fuck yeah. if you come or not. So it's like to really iron down, getting a like an amount of money for your shows or whatever, and if they get cold feet real quick and they go, "Oh, you know, we don't have all the sales, so we're gonna cancel," I'm like, "Buddy, the show starts in two hours. Like, Mm -hmm. there could be walkthrough traffic, whatever the case is, right?" So that's always uh, a disaster is when you have to deal with people that just don't want to produce. Like I find that a lot of people. Sorry, I'm I'm going off a different tangent here, but when some people produce shows or they, they run a bar and they want to produce shows or bring in entertainment. And they think that it's the same thing. Well, we run a bar. How hard is it to do entertainment? And they don't know anything about it. And then you have to explain what comedy is, how the room should be set up and all this kind of shit. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, fuck, I don't know if I want to do that anymore. And you're like, well, you know, you have to pay us. They're like, what, what do you mean? Like we've got Bill and his buddies are going to come in and do covers all weekend. Like they're going to do Johnny cash for free. And I'm like, well, that's because he's 85 and, you know, he's just trying to stay busy. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. No, we get uh, some of those small bars that kind of treat us like shit. It's pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> so annoying. So how do you, uh, like, balance that uh, being a producer and being a comedian? Because, like, that must be, like I, – I did a little bit of, both of that when I was younger, but uh, I was also never really, like – Headlining shows either, so like for you when you're like doing like a lot of time and you have to produce the show as well, like uh, that must be fucking like nerve wracking. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I mean, at the start of it, like my idea to the whole thing, I was like, Hey, you know, I live in bond. No one knows who I am. Like, uh, you know, no one's going to give me spots being new to comedy. Uh, So I got to find a way to kind of have a bargaining chip. So like I would produce a show and like invite a bunch of comics to produce shows and really good headliners and like, be like, Hey, I'll pay you. And hopefully like you return the favor and stuff like that. Um, and I kind of thought that that would help me like climb the ladder. And then at a certain point though, Comedians start to view you as a producer and not a comic. So like there was a stretch of time where I was doing shows like every month in several different places and then like big yearly shows and shit. And then once I asked to be on someone's show, they'd be like, well, you're not really a comic. Like you're a producer. Like we're not doing that. And I'm like, what? So I kind of like I'm like, fuck, I got to pump the brakes, push this to the side for a bit and like, you know, really just start working the circuit more to make people know that I do both. And that was always like the hardest thing because, you know, people, they don't want producers that suck. And then I have to kind of start proving to myself, should I prove myself to certain people and certain clubs to be like, I do both. It's, it's hard to manage, but I mean, you know, everyone says you can't do both. And I am like, you know, further along in my career here, noticing that it's fucking, you, you got to choose one or the other because, you know, it, there's only so much producing you can do and it takes up so much of your time and you got to run all aspects of that business. And like, I feel like now it's obviously much harder just because you got to run the social medias, the management shit on got to run the website, you all this shit that like, you know, companies hire tons of people to do. Right. So like mm-hmm. guys like us, like we have so much shit to do just for our own comedy, like writing jokes, writing scripts, fucking making merch, writing, a fucking building a website. Like we're already like a fucking jack of all trades mm-hmm. for ourselves, like our own manager kind of thing. So like, then when you do that, but to showcase other people and then other people don't want to showcase you it makes you bitter is what yeah. i'm saying <laughs> you
0: know 100 percent. I mean? oh, so uh now that like this whole pandemic things happened, you probably had a lot of time to think like well what do you think in your direction for the future is going more into like focusing on your own like comedy career or, or do more producing what are you thinking
1: yeah i uh it was funny I saw a lot of people a lot of comedians I'm sure you saw this on uh, Facebook and stuff being like yeah, I'm realizing that my identity is more than just comedy and all this kind of stuff and i've I've always been one to take breaks here and there just to be like I'm not just a, a comedian you know what I mean you need all these other things in your life to mm. you know give you more material and stuff uh, so I throughout the quarantine, I was like, you know what I think I'm gonna just kind of put more of my chips into the comedian, uh, thing, like my own personal brand, if you will, and trying to make more merch and an album and, you know, things like that and do more sketches online and shit, because really the producing stuff, it works when you're massive. You know what I mean? Like you see Kevin Hart and Bill Burr, like they open up Kevin Hart, LOL, or Bill Burr does, um, all things comedy. And it's like, now he has the money to hire people he's got the money to dump into something that's going to promote up and comers and Mm
0: -hmm. comedians
1: and get, you know, give more places and opportunities for comedians. It's like my idea was that at the start, but it's like to do that when no one knows who the fuck you are at the same time, it's like, fuck, I'm trying to build two entities from the ground up. It just doesn't make sense when there's no leverage from either side. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. yeah, So I figured just I'm going to produce like when I produce, and you know put on my own stuff and whatever when I when I do and when I have empty spots but I'm definitely not going to put as much effort in as I did before
0: Mm -hmm. and you said something like really important there like just like the whole identity as a comedian and like having to to be more like uh I, I it is true like if I think it's like if you identify too much as a comedian or this is anything like if you identify too much with your job and then like you like it neglects other parts of your life or you know what i'm saying it's just like because too much is pouring into that like it does like really kind of hurt every part of your life like and even like your job like as a comedian if you don't have like a fulfilling life outside of it as well like it hurts your comedy as well because you're not going to relate with people. Like you're like, you know, like you don't have any other parts of your life that people can relate with. Like whether it's relationship or whether it's like just friends outside of comedy or any of that shit, you know?
1: Oh, of course, man. I, I've never understood, you know, I've argued with comics about this all the time where like, you know, I've gotten shit for being a comedian. That's not in the scene as much as I should be. And I'm not, uh, you know, I, I'm not hustling enough because I'm not at the mic till two, three in the morning or whatever. Um, whereas to me, I'm like, fuck, man. I got, you know, when I wasn't doing comedy full time, it's like I gotta get up in the morning, and go to work, or like I gotta, you know, I've got a, a fiance, I've got a family, I've got a bunch of stuff. I'm like I don't want to be just the comedian only because, like, you see these comedians that they live with comedians, they hang out with comedians, they work with comedians. And, like the whole day is just comedians talking comedy doing comedy and then all of a sudden after a couple years on stage you're like hey man like I can't really relate to any of this because you're not bringing any other aspects of real life into this right like so your jokes are great to other comedians and I'm laughing because I'm a comedian but you know at the same time it's like where's all the other jokes about being a person you know what I mean like being someone outside of comedy, you know?
0: You got to fucking, yeah, you got to relate to people. And, yeah, no, I've definitely seen that. And, like, uh, if you start performing just for comedians, like, we we definitely have, like, a different sense of humor, comedians, because I think for we're, sure. you know, like, we've heard so many jokes. So, like, we like, and, like, comedians tend to like darker, dirtier jokes just because, like, you know, like, it's just kind of like uh, we love pushing the envelope kind of thing. So, like, when you start performing just for comedians, like, You definitely do, like, see it and, like, yeah, it can end up being cringy for, like, regular, like, audience members where they're just like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? So, uh, you come from an Italian family, eh?
1: Yeah, yeah, Italian background. You know, obviously I'm Canadian, but, uh, you know, uh, in Canada, you never say that you're Canadian unless, you know, you're actually thoroughbred white, I guess, if that's the the term for (laughs) it. But (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, in the U.S., I'm Canadian, in Europe, in the UK, I'm Canadian. In Canada, I'm Italian. It weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird.
0: weird. So,
1: it's so where people brace, yeah. break my balls about that all the time. They're like, buddy, you're white. You're Canadian. I'm like, I'm Italian. I'm not white. You know what I mean? And they're like, you're an idiot. So I, but yeah, I, uh, you know, Italian background, you all know, right, living nice. huge um, all the time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because like, I always found, like, uh, both my family, uh, like, I got two cousins that married into an Italian family. So, like, uh, I've, like, started to, like be around a lot of italian families now and uh i've noticed they're very similar to like pakistani families which i'm like uh from but uh, did did you get this as well like uh like do you get a lot of pushback from your family just because like i know a lot of like uh like my family too it took a while for them to even like understand what the hell i'm doing with comedy you know and like i don't know how about you man
1: man it's so funny you say that i i grew up uh with pakistani neighbors on either side of me and like to explain to them what comedy was like one of them was my family doctor i have bits about him but whatever he would always be like so you entertain like children like you do youth entertainment like you do balloons and stuff like he thought i was a kid's clown right yeah and i'm like no like i do stand up he's like i just i don't know what that is i don't even know what you're talking about so i can only imagine what it's like like if you have family members like that that don't even know what comedy is or like don't really know what stand-up is to be like, I don't understand what this is. And then right away, they probably go, you mean Russell Peters? And you're like, yeah, fuck. So the bar is already yeah. huge. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. For, for me though, it's uh sorry, go ahead. If you want if you're going no, no,
0: no. Go to go I wanted to hear about your like family too. How do they deal with like comedy?
1: Yeah. They, um, they're all like, you know, coming from Italy, you know, my grandparents. So like for them, it was like, well, you got to be going where the money is. And when they came here, the money was, you know, building roads and railways. And it's all construction based shit, you know. So all my family and relatives, everybody's in some sort of line of construction or trades. Right. Mm -hmm. So for me, growing up, working for all my uncles and all this kind of stuff and really being like, I guess I don't I don't want to do this. This makes no sense. I don't like this at all. And they're like, well, me either, but it brings home the bread. And you're like, yeah, but why aren't you doing something you like? Like, and I've never understood doing something you don't like. That just doesn't make sense to me. And, you know, my parents trying to raise you being like, find something you like and monetize it and stuff. And uh, that's obviously been the hardest challenge is to monetize comedy. But, uh, yeah, the pushback was real. My, my dad does, doesn't even, even now, he's like, so you're, he like, it's so patronizing. He's like, so you're going around doing a couple little Gigs here for people, like what's going on? Like, how you know what I mean? He's like, Where are you going now? Like some parking lot or like and uh-huh. I'll bust my balls. But you know, he uh he kind of turned around when his friends came to one of my shows one time, and like so at work, all of his friends were kind of talking about me being like, Oh, fuck, his son's actually funny, like he's hilarious, he does comedy. And then he's like, Yeah, so look at you, Mr. Comedian. I'm like, Fuck, now I'm a comedian. I'm like, took you 10 years yeah. to say I, yeah, I do comedy, but Jesus, man. So the pushback's there, even now. Like after doing it, like I'm coming up to ten years now, and everyone's like, "So you know, it's ten years. You haven't made it. Like time to hang it up." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "Now it's time to fucking put the gas on," you know? Yeah. Like
0: that, like, you know. uh, and I don't think people understand like uh, how long it takes. To, like make uh, like after ten years, it's kind of like when you start figuring out who you are and like how to present yourself and how to like build an yeah. audience, like all of that stuff kind of starts aligning at the 10 year mark. And that's, it's exactly right. That's when you push the gas. Like that's when you start like actually understanding like what kind of point of view you have in the world. Right.
1: Yeah. And a lot of people, like it's like managing yourself, like certain things like that, like uh, the, the business end of comedy, like you learn just by being a comedian and going through it and learning from guys above you and guys who've been in doing it longer. Like you see parts of the game that you should do and like how you should approach You know, your own merch and like how booking yourself and all these little tricks of the trade that you don't find unless, you know, other comics who are above you tell you and like just from seeing it yourself. Right. Like whereas, you know, in hockey or whatever, you know, you grow up like I always give this fucking example to one of my cousins because he's like, buddy, you just hang it up. I'm like, bro, hockey players, they start when they're four, right, or five or six, That 10 years is like when they're 16, 18, and then they make the NHL, right? Like that makes sense, you know?
0: Yeah. And
1: then, you know, I explain to them like those people get trained how to do everything you need to know. Whereas in comedy, sometimes it takes even longer because no one's telling you how to do it. In fact, I feel like people try to tell you how not to do it, you know, so that you stay further down the fucking totem pole. You know what I mean? It's real for
0: sure. Um, So you said you come from Vaughn, and like Vaughn's like a very Italian place, right?
1: Very Italian, yeah
0: yeah so like is that like so do they have that kind of like a uh, culture there then like how you were saying like a lot of people go into construction trade so is it a very like working kind of culture like get into like uh get into like these kind of trades make money kind of culture
1: oh yeah it's all just what do you mean you don't make cash like what do you mean you don't have like four or five illegal side hustles in your plumbing business like every, you know everything is like Oh, you do landscaping, but what do you really do? You know what I mean? And it's all like, you know, oh yeah, I also bring shit in from Italy, and we illegally sell this and that. And you're like, fuck! It's like, <laughs> dude, it's like that. It's like an immigrant mindset mixed in with like a mafia mindset. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. fucking weird. So like everyone just does nine other things, but have that front of like we're plumbers or you know, we're construction guys and like everyone's all about just make as much cash as you can working on the clock, make real cash by doing side jobs illegally or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, so like that whole and,
0: follow your dreams kind of like, uh, or like follow your heart, like do what you love. Like that kind of shit didn't really sink
1: into there. eh? Right? No, not unless you make stupid money at it. And even then it's like, doesn't matter. There, I don't know what it is, man. Like I've I I know some people who know like some famous individuals and they were telling me they've heard the same struggles from like Drake and The Weeknd and stuff. It's like their own parents are like, yeah, but can you go back to school and like get that paper? It's like some people, man, just don't get it if they the idea of success and money and working is the way they did it at that time. You know what I mean? Like so to relate to like my grandparents that I do comedy and trying to make money at it, they're like, yeah, but you know so you do the tv show thing i'm like i'm not on a tv show but they're like what you do this show thing like is there money or no and like you have then they feel bad for you like my nana will come up to me and give me a hundred bucks every now and then and she'll be like i know you're struggling i'm like i'm not struggling i'm like i'm struggling but like it's part of the game like i'm good nana. she's like i know you're not good and i'm like why well you don't have a nicer car and i'm like this is stupid. Like you know, <laughs> in Vaughn, it's all about like you know a triple mortgage with a Ferrari in the driveway. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Honestly, like it's so similar to like the culture I grew up with. Or just like the Pakistani, East Indian culture. It's so so similar. And like how you said, like get that degree, get that degree. Like that's uh that's like a, one of the things. It's either yeah you go into like a like a trade to make the money right away, or you go and get that degree. Like that degree is gonna like that degree solves like once you get the degree it's all you're fine everything's fine <laughs>
1: yeah i don't know man i i mean did you end up going like you go to school you got a degree and all that kind of stuff or yeah
0: no? i got my bachelor's of science but uh like I, I was gonna like go into medicine was like my first plan coming out of high school but when i started doing stand-up like right away i was just like nope this is it and like it was just like Thanks. with me it was just like yeah i got to uh i got to like get that paper like just it was almost one yeah. of those things. My parents like saved up money their whole life to like send me to school. Like I got to feel bad in that sense. But like, yeah. you know, I was just like, all right, I better get the actual paper and then like go do my own thing. So I did. And it, it was a bitch man. Like when it, like the first few years after getting my degree, when my parents are like, so what the fuck? Like, are you not going to go to medical school? Are you not going to try to get like do anything else? Like, are you going to try to get a right. job? And you're like, all of that stuff started like creeping in. And it was just like, you know, like, I after, uh, after I graduated from school, I started a landscaping business so I could, like, get money during the summer so I could tour in the winters and shit. And, yeah, uh, yeah man, my parents did not like that. It took a while for them to, like, kind of come on yeah. board. And it was exactly like you did. Like, once some, like, friends of theirs actually came out to a show and started liking me and, like, come back and start talking to my parents about it, then they're like, oh, like maybe there is something here, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. That, that's that gotta be tough, man. It's like, I didn't have like my, you know, my family knew like even in high school that I wasn't like the smartest, like I'd just be fucking around. Like, you know, I coasted through high school, especially it's like science, bro. I don't know how the fuck you did that. Like I, science made my nose bleed. Like I did a, I think I dropped out of chemistry every year and I was like, I don't even understand what the fuck we're talking about here. So uh, hats off to you, man, for even going that far with that. That's great, dude.
0: Oh, Hey man. Cheers, buddy. I appreciate that. Um, all right. Let's uh, talk about something else. I, uh, you were saying, uh, you were telling me before, like you took like uh, DNA tests, a DNA test of food sensitivity tests and stuff like to kind of like, uh, deal with your like weight issue, uh, Like, yeah, I don't know. Can you just uh, maybe elaborate on that? Tell her.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, Yeah. So I'm pretty much struggling with weight like forever. Um, And, you know, that was like the one thing in elementary school, high school. Like I was like, I can't be the fat guy only. You know what I mean? I'm like, because people like automatically go, oh, you, if you're fat, you smell, you're sticky, you're gross, you fart. You're like, we don't, you know what I mean? Like, uh, because I was, I wasn't like a fat kid. I was like a massive fucking, like, I was like. Oh, dude, like, I think in grade six, I was like 5'10", like 300 pounds, like just huge. So, you know what I mean? Oh, fuck, man, just massive. So, like, I was wearing like double, triple XL in like elementary school, right? So, you know, you make the basketball team because I was fucking gross at basketball. And then all of a sudden, the jerseys don't fit you shit like that, right? So, like, I always had to find, like, funny was kind of my angle all the time. So, that kind of became like a big part. Uh, you know, my identity and same with on stage. So it's like, there's a big part of me where I'm like, fuck, I know I have to lose weight in order to not be Chris Farley and die young, because that's every time I get a test, my doctor's like, buddy, you're going to be done at 40, maybe 50 years old. Right. So I'm like, okay, I know I have to do that. But then on stage, I'm like, fuck, a lot of my bits and a lot of my stuff is rooted into being a fat guy or being obese or whatever the case is and shit like that. So It's like, if I lose weight, will I be funny anymore? Like, that's a real problem. Like, people are like, buddy, you're fucking crazy. But, like, in my head, because it's so rooted into having to be funny while being the fat kid, it's like, you know what I mean? I use that for so long. So, to then lose weight in my head, I'm like, fuck, if I lose all this weight, there goes half of my bits or all my bits. When really, you know, now I'm at the point where I'm like, Mark, you could just write new jokes. But still. Um, no, so I
0: bet that would be tough, man. Like, uh, and trust oh. me, like I came from a small farming town and I was like the only brown kid there. So like I, that was the way I dealt with it too, was humor. Like I, like, yeah. you know, like, uh, I just always made kind of jokes about it. So a lot of my humor ended up stemming from that. And like a lot of my jokes kind of did, especially when I was starting comedy. So like, uh, of no, course, I, I completely it understand it. I completely understand it. Um, yeah. yeah. So like, uh, how did you, how how you dealing with that then? like?
1: So I, I pretty much, uh, no joke. I know every fat guy says this, but I've pretty much done every diet plan you could think of. And you know, the, I'm trying, obviously I'll lose some, I'll gain it all back because the road is the worst. So I'm trying to find something that isn't going to need me to bring a suitcase of protein powders and shit like this. Like I'm trying to find a sustainable uh, life plan, if you will, or, diet plan that is will be sustainable in all parts of my career. So like I can travel and I can stick to this plan and I can, you know, build something that's not going to just all of a sudden I go back on the road and I spike up in weight again or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, with trying all these things like keto and whatnot and losing 30 pounds, gaining 40 pounds, whatever. Um, I did one of these DNA tests and food sensitivity tests, which I think everybody should do. It's like, it's absolutely nuts where science is at with this shit. Um, so one of them is like, you prick your finger, they take your blood and then they swirl it with a bunch of shit and then they go, Oh, okay. So these kinds of foods, uh, your body reacts to as like a mild allergy. So then you're constantly inflamed. And if you're inflamed and hadn't have any sort of inflammatory going on in your body, you're not going to be able to drop weight and your body's going to like, obviously tighten up and be in a state of stress. So then you're going to want to binge eat or it's going to hold on to water weight and all this kind of shit. So, okay. um, yeah, I did that and then did this DNA one because um one of my doctors was like the well, food sensitivity ones aren't bulletproof cuz your blood can change, you know, over time. So they're like something in your if you do a DNA test where they take your saliva and they do um everyone should check it out. It's called uh DNA Labs Ontario or something and it's fucking uh Love My Health Test where it's you send in your saliva and they take down all they break down your genetic DNA and see what viruses you're susceptible to um what foods you're sensitive to how your body reacts to intense exercise how your muscles recover and break down and all this kind of shit Holy i mean it could God, all be really? oh dude it could totally be a scam but uh <laughs> I, <laughs> <laughs> because like uh, one of them for me was uh i i'm mm, mm, there's a gene that i have that makes me really highly susceptible to type 2 diabetes right um another one was um uh, fuck, I haven't gone through it too extensively yet. I sent it over to my fucking doctor, nutritionist, and they're coming up with a plan. Got a meeting next week, so like, I'm very at the beginning of this whole thing. Hmm. But anyways, it just kind of dissects your your entire internal structure and then you, you know, see, oh, one of them was a highly addictive gene for um, nicotine and cocaine and shit. <clears throat> uh, can't really metabolize alcohol as well as anybody else, so like, I should stay away from that, so like if me and you drank the same amount, I would be drunk longer because my body just can't metabolize alcohol as wow. well. And, oh, man. It, it's really, really in-depth. It really – it covers everything. Like
0: Yeah, damn, um, I didn't know it was that good.
1: Yeah, it was really, really cool. And it, it tells me – like I'm pretty much celiac. Didn't know that. So, um, gluten really just doesn't digest well either. So it's like, it stays in my system for a long time because I don't have enough enzymes that break down, um, a gluten structure that exists in majority of breads and stuff. So like, yeah, that, that's, that's kind of where I'm at where now I'm trying to know exactly what my body rejects and accepts and then figure out the foods that I should and shouldn't eat and the exercise I shouldn't, shouldn't do, you oh, know, man. so
0: uh, That's actually kind of cool too. That they like can actually tell you like how your muscles like break down and build up and stuff like that as well. Like,
1: oh yeah, they even talk about like susceptible to certain injuries based on uh, your muscles and like what breaks down quicker and where you fatigue first and like, um, and they all break it down onto why it's like well because this genetic strand covers this and emits these enzymes and does this and this one doesn't do that. So like if you do this, this will happen. Right. And you're like this. Fuck, It's crazy. Like none of it makes too much sense to me. And it could all be fake because they name these DNA strands where it's like GMH one, two, three is on. You're like, I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully to the doctors, they know what's up and I can develop some sort of plan here.
0: So, uh, like, did you ever have like any issues with like alcohol or smoking or stuff like that? Like now that you've found out, like you're, you're acceptable to them. <sighs>
1: Like, one, another big one was lactose, which I always knew, right? Like, to me, I, I've never – I don't take pills for it or anything like that. But I know if I'm eating cheesy nachos, I'm going to shit my pants in like two hours, you know? <laughs> it's like same thing with booze, right? Like, I know of certain alcohols. Like, if I drink wine, like, you know, I get completely red. I sweat. Like, you know, I know yeah. certain – yeah, certain things I know, the, you know, just from overtime eating them and stuff. Gluten, I just – I've been eating it my whole – I'm Italian, fuck I can't yeah. go a meal with uh, breads at the center of the table with wine every meal. So it's like, you know, I, yes. I'm hoping that I've built some sort of tolerance to that, but ha, 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 not ha, not according to my DNA,
0: you know? Yeah. <laughs> so. so are you just like, is this like, I guess the keto diet like would be like the kind of perfect diet for you almost, like uh, just meat well, and veggies and shit? Like that's kind of what it is. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I, I asked them about that and they were, uh, so I, I tried keto for like a month, man. It was brutal. Like I was breaking out like crazy, like, and I was constantly sweating. I was losing hair and shit. So I stopped it and I was like, fuck, I'm I'm not gonna, you know, lose hair and get all like all greasy pimply face and shit. I'm like, it was fucked. So I didn't do it.
0: How the hell did that happen?
1: It was literally three and a half weeks of doing keto. And like, I was pulling out hair. I was fucking like, dude, my whole face. Whitehead's like crazy. You know what I mean? Gross. I was like, I'm not – this is fucked. So,
0: yeah, and like they'll never f- have like – because like even now I'm looking at your face. It's like extremely clear and stuff. Like, yeah, I'm like says. this
1: is the gluten, buddy. This is the bread. <laughs> ha, ha, um, ha, 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 ha. One of uh, – dude, the craziest thing in this DNA test, I told a buddy of this uh, yesterday and he was like, dude, if you do not mention this to everybody and write a bit about it, you're an idiot. So it says that – um. I have a higher risk for being obese because I have a higher taste uh, sensitivity to fatty foods. So they're like, you, because of the way the genetic makeup is in my mouth and taste buds, fatty foods taste better to me than other people. So because of that, I like to eat more fatty foods. And they're like, that's why you're going to be fat if you don't eat less fatty foods, which is stupid, but it's like, there you go. Um, because of my <laughs> like, DNA, I'm meant to eat fat foods, you yeah, know? Yeah,
0: so, like, tasty food is just a little tastier for you, eh? <laughs> Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> I guarantee you, man, they just looked at my Instagram page and they are like, we know what to write on this report. They're like, you're going to be <laughs> fat. <you laughs> yeah, this is just like a fucking scam, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, who's this guy? Let's find him on
0: Instagram, fuck. <laughs> Damn, dude. Like, honestly, I want to take that test now. Like, that sounds like so yeah. cool. Like, yeah, I'll I think, send you the link. No, I appreciate it. Um, no, especially like that you're saying like you can actually like learn different stuff about your body, like even like that muscle stuff. Like I wouldn't mind it. Like I've, I've had like uh, different like uh, muscle injuries and shit like that in my life, so it would be kind of nice to like see why and like uh, maybe even get like a little heads up on how to prevent that shit, right? <laughs>
1: Oh, for sure, dude. I mean, I, I'm still blown away by, like, the more I talk about it, the more I remember more things about it. But it even me- recommends certain kind of exercises that you should do, like endurance versus power exercises. So, like, rather than me being a marathon runner, they suggest doing, like, power lifting instead because of the way my body reacts to, you know, pushing heavy weights or, uh, like, lactic acid buildup and stuff. Mm-hmm. They're just like, you're just never going to be able to run marathons because your body builds up lactic acid in certain places much quicker so you're going to fatigue faster or be in pain more and you have a lower pain threshold to these kinds of exercises based on how your body reacts to these exercises so which is great to know and i was like yeah man i've always liked doing a boxing class over a fucking you know a jog or whatever right like running on the treadmill for 40 minutes for me is like fuck i might as well shoot myself you know so (laughs) yeah yeah
0: Oh, damn, dude. So like uh, with all the diets and stuff like that you have done, like uh, what's that like kind of like the whole life cycle of a diet? Then like when you do it and then like get rid of it and like does your emotions and shit change with it as well? Like how does that work?
1: Yeah, like for something like um, keto or like um, what was that other one I did? Fucking all about, like, rice cakes and shit. I can't remember the name of it. Oh, that sounds um, awful. <laughs> like, so dumb. But, like, I, I, you get irritable, man. And, like, for me, like, nothing's more important than being in a good headspace to perform, right? So, like, if I'm fucking, you know, 10 minutes before I'm going to go on and I'm, like, exhausted and I'm sweating and, like, my face is all fucked up and you're not confident and whatever, you know what I mean? Oh, How tough. are you going to? yeah how you can't perform like that, so like for me it's like I need something where I don't feel like I'm an absolute train wreck or like I'm tired and I got to slam all this coffee to get like a pick me up or I gotta do jumping jacks or whatever right like a lot of diets like i'll notice I just like okay i can't do comedy while being on this diet or I can't be eating only twelve hundred calories and performing on stage like I just don't have the energy to last more than ten minutes on stage and to give it a hundred percent, you know of so that's usually when I'll drop off, or like, with the keto thing in the hair, or like, and the face. I was like, okay. You got to get out, you
0: know, and like.
1: Yeah, I'm like, I'm done with this. Yeah. And then I played on in, like, a weekend. It was stupid.
0: Damn, dude. Ah, uh, yeah, man. Well, fuck. I, like, yeah, I hope you find uh, a little bit of,
1: like, equilibrium with that shit and, like. I guess, yeah. I'm sure there's going to be some sort of, you know, new adapting trick to this new plan with the DNA and blood stuff. We'll see what happens, so. Yeah, dude. Uh, Oh, I'm going to go get one of those tests. <laughs> yeah, I legit, I'll send you the link. I'll even send you my results. I don't give a shit. And you can see like how extensive it is. And, you know, if you're, if you want it, you go, yeah, go and, ahead and uh, grab it. Yeah. And I'll put it's it, fucking uh, expensive, but whatever. I have to do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'll put the name in the bio as well so that uh, people, yeah. if they're interested too, if they can like, yeah. check it out. Because honestly, that sounds yeah. cool as hell.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's pretty uh, really sweet.
0: All right, man. Like, uh, this is the name of the podcast. So, I got to ask you the question, my man. So, Mark Anthony Synagoga, God yay or nay?
1: I'm going to go yay. God yay.
0: Yeah, God yay. I mean, are you like uh, religious or spiritual or anything like that? And Yeah, I mean,
1: I was obviously raised Roman Catholic slash Christian, if you will, for a majority of my life. So,. You know, I do believe there is something else beyond this. I don't know what it is. Uh, you know, I feel like every very religious culture calls the same set of morals and that kind of thing, calls it their own thing for us as God, right? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I feel like there's there's got to be something. I mean, there can't be nothing. And I mean, if it just gives me the security that there is something, I fully believe it. You know what I mean? I, so, I,
0: yeah. No, actually, like, I guess it does give it a little bit of security, just thinking like, all right, well, At least when it's over, there's gonna be something else, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. And uh, fuck, that causes a lot of fights, man.
0: Sure. Get a little, get a mulligan or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. Give it an extra shot, yeah, buddy. I don't know, fucking. Nah, I don't know. I'm kind of in the same place. I'm I'm, I'm a very spiritual guy, so like, uh, not in a really religious way, but like, I do kind of like feel like there's just something more and like I do feel kind of like a little connection to everything like especially when
1: yeah
0: like uh I don't know I do a lot of meditation and like uh dabbled in the psychedelic world and shit like that so it has always kind of uh made me feel
1: that way have you have
0: you ever been into any of that kind of stuff like psychedelic meditation any of that
1: yeah I love those like uh, deprivation tanks I try to hit one of those like every couple months and uh meditation for sure which has helped me in so many ways uh, psychedelics, not so much. Like I did Salvio a couple of times, which I guess is a form of a psychedelic, but, um, yeah, dude, for sure. There's, there's something beyond this. And I mean, I'm, I'm religious in the sense that I believe there's a God and I think there's something beyond this and all these things connect and make sense somehow in the universe and shit. But do I believe in what the Roman Catholic church and all that shit is? No, the Roman, the church, the Vatican, To me, that whole thing's one giant fucking scam. And like, I got kicked out of the Vatican, by the way, because I had a meltdown. I was so upset in there. But anyways,
0: when you were in Italy, like in Vatican City, you
1: mean? Yeah, yeah, I got kicked out of the fucking Vatican. I was so pissed off. What did you do? (laughs) Because (laughs) I've never told this to anybody, but I was um, in the Vatican. They have like big, big paintings, right? Have you been to the Vatican? No, buddy. It is the biggest fucking sham on the. Like, dude, everything is gold. Everything like everything. It's fucked, dude. It is probably like it is the richest, wealthiest building I've ever been in. And then they have a gold room. They're like the treasures of the God. And you have to pay to get into that room. You have to pay to get into the Vatican. And there's these big, big like uh, murals done by famous people. And you have to pay to hit a button to light the painting. Right. So it's dark. And then you got to put in a dollar, hit the button, and then the light shines on it for 10 seconds. What? apparently, oh, bro, you don't even understand. You ask my fucking. So you pay to get in, and then you have to pay for each fucking mural. Dude, I cannot tell you the meltdown that I fucking had. I was like, so you're going to tell. They're like, no, the light, sir, affects the paintings. We want to preserve it. I'm like, put it in a fucking box. I don't give a fuck. I'm like, do not charge me. 50 euros to get in here, fucking 25 euros to go through the God room, you know, 5, 10 euros to fucking see this painting. I'm like, you guys are a fucking scam. Like, if Dude, if they sold 2% of what's in that gold room or five paintings, they would solve multiple world crises, no problem. And I just, and to me, that's what God is and being religious, it's like, you know, you see people like fucking Gandhi, Mother Teresa, people like that who lives selflessly and shit. The Vatican to me stands for everything that goes against what God is. And like, I was having that meltdown in there and I'm arguing with priests being like, how can you work here and be like, God, like this doesn't make sense. Like I'm like, buddy, there's gold on the ceilings. Like there's great. Like dude, there's granite pillars, granite gold pillars, dude, that are like, you know, 25 feet around every fucking 10 feet. Like dude, If you go there, you'll get so upset with how fucking filthy rich it is, and you know that it's just from years of pillaging and raping the rest of Europe, being pieces of shit and keeping all the gold and like I was in their own place. And I'm like, it, dude, it makes no sense. And I was actually getting mad and like voicing this while talking to my girls. We were walking through it, and people were getting upset. And then people started coming up to me, like the priests and different people were coming up to me, and I was fighting with them about it. And they kicked me out. I'm like – and I started – dude, I had a full-on scene. I'm like, this place is fucking bullshit. You should sell that fucking god room. Distribute that money to the homeless people of Italy, you pieces of shit. I'm like, you're charging me. I'm like, I've spent $100 in here. Like, dude, and the lineup to get in is like three hours long. Like, I swear to God, dude, I think they were saying something stupid. Like, every summer, like, over 500,000 people a month go through the Vatican. Just do five hundred thousand times twenty dollars a ticket, dude. Bro, that's their monthly revenue, man. Like and they're a church, so they don't get taxed or none of that. And they're their own country, the Vatican City, right? Dude, it's a fucking disaster. Wow. Sorry.
0: No, I love this. This is hilarious. <laughs> this oh. is
1: like, this is like
0: absolutely hilarious.
1: I need <laughs> to read I it. sell the oh,
0: god room. That's like, <laughs> honestly, you should fucking make a bit about this because it's like, not only is it like funny, it's like, uh, interesting as hell. Like, because I, I actually. Uh, yeah, I haven't heard of any of that stuff. And the God Room is just a hilarious thing. Like, just made of solid gold, the
1: God Room? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, it's, like, all these crowns and, like, big, big jewel necklaces and, like, you know, things from over the years. They're like, oh, this was Pope whatever, whatever's fucking crown. Or this was the crown of so-and-so. And it's, like, all these fucking things that they've clearly stolen from other places. And it's their, like, Vatican Museum. So um, it's, like, uh, it's fucking, you just pay to look at all this gold that's under these lights and you're like oh so this crown is worth like five million dollars because it belonged to this guy that you beheaded in the name of god like what three thousand years ago like it 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 makes no fucking sense i'm like buddy melt it down sell it back make some (laughs) cash just give the money back to people like i just i you know what i mean like people talk about you know genocides and all this kind of stuff and like You know, they'll talk about Nazi Germany and shit, but then no one brings up the Crusades and, you know, how the Catholic Church is responsible for killing, like, you know, millions and millions of women alone, let alone anybody else. Like, if you do the history, it's fucking, it's unsettling. And then you go in there and you're like, oh, there's gold on the walls. This is cool. (laughs) Right? Like, oh, it's a fucking scam, dude. So it's like, I believe in God. But not the one that these Italians are like, oh, the Pope over here. No, fuck that shit, man. That makes no sense.
0: <laughs> oh, man. How, is there, like, family, like, uh, religious at all when they were coming up? Like, or was it, like, big or not that big? Or just kind of like, eh, let's go to church, I guess?
1: Yeah, well, like, you know, they are they do the big church events. Like, we weren't, like, an every Sunday kind of family. Um, and then my mom kind of, like, steered us off the Roman Catholic shit for the exact reasons I'm talking about. Went more Christianity rude and born-again Christian stuff which is a, a lot makes a lot more sense than, you know, if you ever go to one of those church services, it's totally different. Um, so that kind of caused a family feud where my nunnas were like, what are you doing? Like we're Catholic. And we're like, buddy, Roman Catholic is a joke. Like, let's be real. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's the Pope, it's the Italians running pillages on Europe. That's all it is. And uh, you know, in the name of God, right. It's no different dude than a terrorist. Flying into a building and saying, in the name of God. And it's like, dude, what are we talking about here? You know what I mean? So I draw that parallel and Italians get fucking pissed when I say that. Oh, yeah? Well, for sure. Because they're like, what are you talking about, man? Like, you know, I wear a rosary. I wear a cross. And you're like, dude, are you serious? What's one good thing you've done? Nothing? That's great. You know, it's like, well, you know, there's those Italians out there that really follow that path. And it's like, well, if that's your history... And you recognize it as something good how are you how are you gonna progress in a better way? You know what I mean,
0: oh yeah, no, and like, uh, no, I get it, like uh, just coming from a Muslim family, I kind of feel it's the same way like I You've yeah. Got, like a lot of people who just can't like understand like the history of it, uh or like what the religion even now in like present day times in some places like actually promotes where you're just like, hey, come on, you gotta acknowledge this and be like there's bad parts of it you gotta point your fingers at. A
1: hundred percent. Yeah. And,
0: uh, I... Some people, yeah, like some people like especially when it comes to religion, it's just like a zero criticism kind of thing.
1: Yeah, no, it's uh that that's that's dumb. I don't understand yeah. that
0: well man hey buddy like that's our time man uh, so uh thanks so much for being on this uh you want to maybe like let my audience know where they can get a hold of you or anything you want to promote feel free to do it now
1: sure yeah thanks for having me man uh, you guys can follow me at not mark anthony on pretty much all social media platforms i'm gonna be touring until a second wave comes so check out my instagram and see where i'll be at i always post where i'm gonna be so it was a pleasure, man. Thank you for having me. It was great, dude. Hey, thanks, brother.
0: All right, that was this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I appreciate it. Please subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating; it really does help. And also check me out on social media, on Instagram and Twitter. It's at Noor Kidwy. On Facebook, it's Noor Kidwy Comedian. I'm constantly putting updates about the podcast when new ones come out. I put up podcast clips. And, uh, yeah, I also put up comedy stuff, comedy dates, comedy clips, and different stuff like that. So uh, you can come check out, have a laugh, and get keep up to date on the podcast. Until next time, this is another episode of God Yay or Nay.